is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, your home for serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Coming at you, the uh, round one ding, ding, ding of special elections here in the great state of Georgia. We got House District 24 up in uh, Forsyth County in Cumming, Georgia. And we also have uh, House District 55, which uh, Tyrone Brooks Sr., um, if had some criminal activity and resigned, and we have about six. Or, it should be two fifteen. So, and we've got uh, six or seven candidates running in that one. So, it's a little bit of a free for all. We've got four candidates up in um, in uh, House District twenty four, and I think six or seven. Now, Tyrone Brooks Jr. was kicked off the ballot, and uh, you know what, David? I don't. I, I think you share the same opinion I do about early voting. And that it's kind of a a raw deal. The Democrats just want it like they want to start early voting now yeah. for 2016. Basically, I mean, they, they, there's just never enough time for Democrats. They just have to, in order to get all their uh, uh, all their legals out to the polls, they need as much time as possible. So uh, no, well, it gives them an opportunity to bring the same person. Back that's that's what I'm times. saying. They they can do the, the the Lazarus effect and bring people back from the dead more than once. And, and I saw an idea the other day to have the polls open for 96 hours, just 24 hours straight, all the way through Election you know, Day. The what thing you, is... I mean, instead of doing, like, this month-and-a-half crap uh, before where you just, you know... Here's the thing, though. This Tyrone Brooks Jr., David, he got kicked off the ballot because it was discovered that he did not uh, fit the one-year residence requirement in House Aww. of 55. So he was replacing his daddy, who uh, resigned because of, uh, of corruption and graft and typical Democrat stuff. And he was the favorite, obviously. Tyrone Brooks was the other. The low-information voters in that district will clearly just vote for Junior now. But he got kicked off the ballot, and any votes cast for him are, are being thrown away, and so Wait, you have you have all these people. There's th- probably two or three hundred people that early voted, and he probably got half of those votes. And those votes that those people cast now are completely wasted. So that that's kind of a lesson in you know don't vote when you have incomplete information. You know the, the kicker is anybody that's yelling for early voting. We have early voting. You know. Uh, it's called you go and you get the mail-in form and you tell them I've got to be out of town on Tuesday, the second Tuesday of the month when the election is. I got to, and you do an absentee ballot. Hello, I think that's early voting. Yeah, that, and that certainly if is. you're so damn dumb that you don't know that you're going to be out of town, <laughs> or you're going to, you know, something that you don't, you know, can't vote on. On the voting day, on election or day. can't make plans to be there on election day, then I'm not sure you deserve to vote anyway. But yeah, we have early voting. It's called absentee ballot. Yeah, they do have absentee ballots in Georgia. I mean, these past elections have had now the special elections don't have as much time because hell, some of these have only uh, you know they they just came up and they were li- literally put on the uh, voting calendar as soon as they possibly could and. You know, you have early voting even for this stuff. And uh, actually, the the turnout in Forsyth County, uh, there's like 1,500 early votes, which is absentee ballot slash early vote. I mean, early voting is absentee balloting, basically. Basically. But, but I, I, I did take advantage. My wife and I took advantage of it. Uh, <clears throat> when did we take advantage of it? Uh, two, two elections ago because we knew we were going to be out of town. 
on election day. Right. So and that and that comes up. And again, yeah. I'm saying that the you know clearly. But it's also there's, there's a thing called planning ahead. I believe it's called. Yeah. That there is, and uh, just the the massive amount of early voting. But again, this is a lesson though that. If you if you just want an early vote because you say well I just want to get it out of the way, but you have a, a a bunch of candidates where there's some lingering questions, then you may want to hold that vote because in theory Tyrone Brooks Jr. disenfranchised these people by not being uh, clear with them that he was potentially not going to be able to uh, establish the one year residency. They could only go back. They get they were able to go back to July, so he was pretty damn close to what they. Uh, were able to verify, and who knows how honest that was? Because I, I, being in the mortgage business, I can assure you, the seniors and juniors get <laughs> mismatched all the time. But you know, the judge threw it out, and his, any votes cast for him, his name will still be on the ballot today. But any votes cast his way will be discounted. So well, I think your point I think that's is, irresponsible from him too. I, th- I think you made a very good point, though. If if something's going to come out of the closet, or or the snake's going to come out of the out from under the bed, it may not happen until the day before of election. And, you know, I think that's a very good point. Well, they have the October surprise all the time yeah. during the presidential races. This one, you know, for these smaller special elections where it's House members and you maybe have 2,500 total votes cast in the whole election, you're just, you know, that's one where, you know, going to the polls on election day is going to take you two minutes. So, you know, again, if you if you know you're going to be out of town, absentee ballot. But oh. otherwise, I mean, what what happens if somebody dug something up? You've already cast your vote. A couple years ago, Michael Rothenberg was running for judge uh, in DeKalb County, and a lot of folks vote early voted for him. And then right before the election, he um, oh no, he got to the runoff, and he was arrested for uh, for by the FBI for federal corruption charges, and he stole like a hundred thousand dollars. So P, his opponent won in a landslide in that one. I'll, I'll, Another lesson. I'll throw one out to you that I don't think you've, you've probably uh, not old enough to have gone through this. But I can remember, and I, and I remember it very proudly, as a matter of fact. Would you believe that it was almost like going to the post office? I voted, and I can't remember what year it was, but I, there was several times that I went to vote. And you had to wait in line to vote. Can you? And I loved it. I and I tell you why. It was very interesting. And this is one reason I like voting on on election day. Mm-hmm. It's, you sort of get a feel of how the turnout is. Yeah. Uh, I like kind of mingling. You with know, the come to think of it, line. it hadn't been that long because it, I can remember standing in line uh, even where I vote today. Right. And. Um, then we a long time ago we used to vote at the fire station, mm-hmm. and uh, I can remember waiting in line at the fire station waiting to get in. So, <laughs> you know, it. Uh, I, 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 and it, to me, it's. This may sound crazy to you, but it's a bit depressing to go, particularly on a national election, on a presidential election or whatever, and walk in, walk right in, and go in and vote. Right. That. That depresses me, as a matter of fact. That we have such low turnout. Yeah. That I, I you know, I, I always advocate for higher turnout for people to go vote. But if you don't know who any of the candidates are, I would almost say it's better to not vote. Uh, unless you're just such a staunch 
Republican or staunch Democrat that uh, you know you and you know at least what their founding principles or their their uh, politically agenda or their political agendas are supposed to be, then it's probably okay to vote party line. But in a race where you've got six Democrats and you don't know which one is which, probably don't vote. And I, um, I think that's true too. And many times on the issues that the, they haven't necessarily been explained as well as they should have been are, and and I've done this many times, realize that I didn't do my due diligence on an issue. Mm-hmm. And well, the, the ballot referendum questions, oftentimes they're written in confusing language. Remember Teeth Blossed a few years ago? It says, would you support economic activity and increased uh, transportation options by voting yes on a 1% sales tax? And yeah. it sounds great. Um, everybody's paying in. We have economic development. All these jobs are created. And it was such flowery language. How but for, yeah, like all problems will be solved. And it actually failed in nine out of the 12 districts. And then a couple years later, the legislators go ahead and <laughs> tack it, it on anyway. So they, uh, they were emboldened somewhat. But they also realized that, uh, you know, it, the campaigns are – it's easy to run a negative campaign when you're saying everybody's going to be paid more. You can call it a regressive tax. Uh, it depend whatever your income is. If you spend ninety percent of it, this is how much more you'll be paying per year. So uh, they figured pretty uh, figured out that the uh, campaign against it was actually pretty easy to run. So they learned a little bit of a lesson. Speaking of lessons, David, we are learning that. Uh, Republicans are not going to be satisfied with just having one or two, one or two choices. <laughs> Yesterday, Jeb, you've got a. Did you see his logo? It's, it's J E B. Yeah, yeah, a Big Jeb. exclamation mark. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe I should start writing my name like that. Just like Greg, you know, just <laughs> shouting everywhere. Uh, I think it. I, I think it's not a bad logo. Um, oh. it, it, I think it's funny looking, but uh, again. If if it creates the brand for him and people recognize it, like Obama's uh, logo, it's a very good logo. I mean, you recognize it now as a sign of socialism, but at the time, it became such a you know, omnipresent uh, logo that it, it was very effective, actually. Um, now, Donald Trump, who I guess represents the, the Gordon Gecko wing of the party, uh, announced uh, today. Yeah. Now... You know, he he was still hung up on the birther issue last time. I am curious to see what uh, what he does with this uh, platform that he's got. I mean, he'll get the obligatory interviews on Fox News, and I, I bet MSNBC will try to get him on and try to make Republicans look bad by you know something crazy he says. Apparently, during his announcement, all he did was trump his uh, hotels and uh, other TV shows and other business interests. So to me, it's a publicity stunt. I don't think he's a serious candidate. I would like to try to get him on my show, though, just to, just to chat with him. So I, uh, I we'll, we'll try to investigate that going forward. What do you think about I think him? you're wrong. I think he is a serious candidate. Um, and I want to steal a minute from you and, and just put some uh, food for thought in your audience's mind. As we, long as it's from Fogo de Chao. Uh, we, you know, we have a pretty bad immigration situation. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people, oh, throw up the wall or whatever and what. But I tell you, we're doing some stuff that most people aren't aware that Americans would even do to people. And uh, we're doing it um, through the contract the jail systems that we have. We don't even know where all of them are. Right. And... 
there should be an investigation of your girlfriend. Um, Who's my girlfriend, Hillary? Uh, no, uh, Wasserman. Because she is... My girlfriends keep... They, they keep going down right. Well, you've got a lot of them, you know? I know, yeah. And, uh, I mean, next thing, uh, you know, I'll be with Helen Thomas. Uh, but she <laughs> she has been in support. And there needs to be an investigation of the money that has come back to her from the uh, organization. It's CCS, the organization that uh, has the contract jail system that uh, the United States... Uh, uses to keep mothers and children held over uh, that have been that have come in many of them legally yeah. asking for asylum right and uh, this is and I encourage everybody as soon as we get it posted to listen to a very interesting uh, immigration hour that we did today and this is this is uh, this will make you feel very shameful that our government would treat people like this Um well, I mean, all it's, I got to do is look at how Obama's treated our veterans. So, not, nothing surprising. And this is Obama treating them, by the way. Uh, we think that he's, you know, well, th- it is shameful. It is shameful. A young lady uh, that had come in claiming wanting asylum uh, was separate. Her son, four year old son, was put in solitary confinement as she was also in solitary confinement. A four-year-old child in solitary confinement. Yeah, that that I mean, that, uh, when you hear horror stories like that, of course that's going to build a, a sympathy for the for the larger group of folks. Uh, I mean, we've got to figure out what the what the solution is. We can't just have everybody running here claiming asylum because they want a better life. Of course, you have a better life if you don't want to build uh, y- your country in, in Central America. Y- you know, when we have this brain drain from Latin America and South Amer- or from South America and Central America, when are those countries ever going to get better? Well, it, that's, it's that's very, my question. It's very interesting in that the facts, 19% of the Folks that come in wanting asylum, if they're represented, get it. If they're not represented by a legal counsel, they're generally deported or put in a in a situation like well, this. Well, I, I accept. We got okay. to. Uh, Let's take our uh, two two fifteen break. We'll be back with Corey Ruth to talk about uh, an exciting event he's got going on uh, this evening and some uh, future predictions on uh, local and national politics. Be back in a minute on Greg's list. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. Join me Fridays at 11 a.m. for a new show here on America's Web Radio. We call it the Prologue. 
I'll be introducing you to other writers you may not have heard of yet. That's Fridays at 11 a.m. here on America's Web Radio. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. I think we might have had a... Uh, drop call there, but we have our friend Corey Ruth will be uh, calling in momentarily and getting back on with us to talk about some of his recent travels, and um, we wanted to welcome him back to the show. He's been on several times before. Corey, welcome back to Gregsus. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me. No problem, my friend. I've uh, been keeping up with uh, some of your, your international travels lately, and uh, pretty exciting stuff. You went to Israel recently with uh look like a delegation of folks from, uh, from, from Atlanta. So uh, tell, tell us what's going on with that and uh, what you learned and what you may be able to, to, to leverage here back in, the, back in the U.S. Yeah, well, actually, uh, the trip was a uh, business development trip, uh, mission trip, if you would, uh, uh, that was organized by the Georgia Department of, uh, of Economic Development um, in partnership with uh, the mayor's office in the city of Atlanta. And so uh, we traveled uh, on a cybersecurity mission. Uh, Israel has the world's leading uh, cybersecurity industry, um, and the federal government has its uh, cybersecurity central command based here in Georgia, one of our bases, uh, there's, there's a considerable amount of collaboration between uh, that, that central command and, and the cybersecurity uh, industry in Israel. And so it made sense that <coughs> Atlanta began uh, building its footprint in that industry as well. And so, and so we went to have uh, meetings with executives there. We brought a, a strong delegation of executives from the cybersecurity industry here in Atlanta, and uh, we just started to, you know, cross-pollinate. Well, that's uh, that's interesting because, I mean, obviously uh, the IRS has recently been hacked and more than 100,000 uh, citizens had lost their uh, personal information and Social Security numbers. The IRS will be contacting you if you were one of the 100,000 that got hacked. So what uh, – uh, do, would you say that private company security is better than government security at this stage of, of our uh, development? Well, I, I think that, that there's that some context is being left out of the whole cybersecurity uh, discussion. You know, every you know, it seems like every week you hear about uh, some you know significant hack that exposes data. 
either in the private sector or in the federal government. Um, but what folks don't realize is uh, that your data has already been exposed, um, and it continues to be exposed. And so your various online uh, identities, um, your email identity, your Facebook identity, your Twitter identity, your bank uh, identity, and by identity I mean your access, login, and password has already been, you know, sort of hacked. The real question is, you know, are you prepared to respond if your data uh, is being leveraged um, from a breach? Um, and so I think the federal government is, is probably, uh, well, we know the federal government is uh, a leading actor on the world stage in terms of uh, its ability to play in the cybersecurity arena and the cyber warfare arena. Uh, some, you know, speculation has been made by, you know, major periodicals like uh, the New York Times to talk about who hacked uh, <laughs> into um, uh, Iran. And, uh, I was about to say, that was the Stooks, Stooks net or something like that? Exa- was that exactly. Yeah. And so uh, the, the uh, sort of leading uh, indication is that the U.S. and Israel collaborated on that. And, uh, and that was the first time uh, we saw a, a hack, um, a computer hack or a computer virus actually, you know, turn machines into uh, remotely uh, controlled uh, robots, if you would, and manipulate uh, their uh, nuclear infrastructure uh, to set it back. And so I think, uh, you know, the U.S. is in a good position. Uh, what's so concerning is that we're not used to having uh, this much of a crowd this close to us uh, in, in in the context of warfare and in cybersecurity. We are pretty advanced, but, but there's some other... I was going to say, you know, obviously Russia and China are very advanced as well. So Russia, uh, China, Ukraine, uh, you know, what 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 we know is that in a lot of the um, uh, uh, third, not third, but a lot of the countries that are less uh, developed, uh, that have become a very strong um, uh, black market um, for them, and so. Uh, we see a lot of their teams. Uh, are we seeing? Are we seeing much come out of Africa? Actually, because Africa, which a lot of people may not know this, but is one of the uh, the highest uh, penetration of cellular technology, and um, you know, the, the they don't have a whole lot of landline infrastructure necessarily, but they actually have the most uh, per capita cell phone usage, I believe, in the uh, world. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure about uh, about. But I can imagine, you know, all the uh, solicitations we get from the uh, the Bank of uh, Lagos uh, about the inheritance. I mean, I, I actually I put your name on email on one of those. Just said, hey, you know what? I'm too busy right now, but my boy Corey Ruth, he would love this opportunity, uh, Swahid or whatever your name is. But uh, anyway, so we got a great event tonight. I just that uh, that cybersecurity thing. You when you mentioned that, I I didn't know the exact nature of your uh, your trip over there. I just saw that uh, there was some great footage. You and uh, uh, Mayor Reed, which um, leads us to our next point. Tonight's event for Corey Ruth, who is kind of 
a, a graduate of Republican leadership for Georgia, is going to hang out with our friends at Newsmakers Live. And I have a feeling that, that your your thunder won't be stolen tonight like it was several years ago. But, <laughs> yeah, it uh, won't be uh, <laughs> another one of those moments yeah, in 2010. Yeah. There won't be somebody trying to, 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 to break into the break into the party or whatever she uh, she liked to describe it as. But so you're, you're going to be there with uh, Rashad Ritchie and uh, Justin Gaboni, Fred Hicks, uh, State Rep LaDon Jones, and then Corey Ruth, a uh, partner in Mergence Global. And, uh, you know, I love the folks at uh, Newsmakers, Maynard Eaton, and uh, Jim Welcome. They're they're pretty yeah. fair guys overall, I'd say. Pretty but, cool. Uh, clearly, you're 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 the uh, you're the token in this one, I, I would imagine. So it should be yeah. an entertaining discussion. What are you looking forward to? This is uh, the Newsmakers event tonight, and this is down at the BQE Restaurant and Lounge, two sixty two Edgewood Avenue, down in this kind of new hot spot, this new area of uh, gentrification, and that's near the Beltline. It's a really exciting place. So if you can get out there tonight, but anyway, tell us a little bit about what you got going on. Well, at, at the event, they typically find uh, a restaurant uh, and um, uh, or some form of lounge, and then they invite some uh, elected officials, and they get out a lot of uh, young professionals, and they ask questions, and, and so it's a pretty swanky event, pretty, you know, uh, a lot of energy in the room, a lot of good networking. Um, political cocktails, uh, which is uh, a franchise that that uh, myself and my partner uh, uh, Sonia have put together, uh, is 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 almost like the bipartisan or Republican version of what they do <laughs> um, uh, in terms of gathering uh, young black professionals and and exposing them to uh, in, to newsmakers uh, on the political side. Yep. And, um, and so. Today, uh, what newsmakers have uh, is a thing to do is bring together, uh, you know, uh, who they have identified as being uh, sort of young uh, political uh, up-and-comers uh, to have a conversation about, um, you know, Atlanta-based politics. Um, and, you know, we got the mayoral race that uh, some, some folks have already jumped into. There's there's already um, some speculation about uh, who else will jump into that, and uh, and so we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking also about uh, you know uh, Republicans and Democrats and the issues surrounding uh, 2016. And so there's a lot to talk about tonight, and uh, we're glad they invited me. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, clearly the Republicans have a bunch of folks that have jumped in. Uh, Jeb, yesterday, I know that you were excited about that. Um, I'm surprised you haven't changed your profile picture that shows Jeb already. But, uh, the, uh, and then today, Donald Trump, who's with the Gordon Gecko wing of the party. Uh, I am glad to see a few Democrats are jumping in there against Hillary just because, uh, you know, the, the more you have in there, the, the better the eventual candidate is going to be. And having a Bernie Sanders and a Martin O'Malley on that side is uh, certainly going to cause uh, some consternation for Hillary Clinton, which, uh, you know, obviously the Republican thing, it looks like it's going to be kind of a, a 
March Madness style NCAA brackets. I think that uh, there's some candidates that are serious and not so serious. But anyway, we're running up towards the end of the segment already, man. I wanted to talk a little bit about that, but uh, I'll have to get you back on uh, afterwards or at another date because you know, give another week, we'll probably have three or four more candidates. But now, but anyway, so we'll see you uh, out there tonight. Uh, Six p.m. is kind of the uh, networking time. This is at uh, is it BQE? Is that the name of the place? BQE uh, Restaurant and Lounge. BQE, on, and it's Avenue. called the Young Guns. And uh, a lot of folks are going to be out there. I've been to a couple of Newsmakers live events. Maynard Eaton's a very entertaining host. Jim Welcome's great. And, of course, we'll be pulling for Corey Ruth to uh, bring up the, uh, the, the the pragmatic Republican side of things tonight. Anyway, Corey, thanks for calling in, man. I look thanks, forward man. to seeing so We'll see you soon, okay? All righty. And we'll be back with Todd Ream from GeorgiaPundit.com to talk a little bit presidential politics as well as the uh, round one ding-ding of the special election season here in the state of Georgia. See you in a minute on Greg's List. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The United States Justice Foundation since 1979 has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on America's Web Radio.com. Joining us right now, editor and chief of Georgia Pundit.com, Mr. Todd Ream. Todd, welcome back to the show. How are you today? I'm great. How are you, Greg? Man, it's uh, what, two days during this week. We already had two new presidential candidates, and uh, today is obviously the uh, uh, first in what will probably be four rounds, I would estimate, of voting uh, as far as the special elections in Georgia. So it's extremely busy, and, you know, we, we kind of have, like, these, uh, 
uh, you remember the movie Bloodsport and Jean-Claude yep. Van Damme got to fight Chong Lee and they went through the, the brackets there. It almost seems like that. Uh, HD 55, I believe, has seven. Only six are eligible <laughs> for votes that will get counted. And House District 24 up in Forsyth has four folks and only two will move on. It's like Highlander. Eventually there can be only one. But right now we're whittling down from four and uh, six in the respective districts to two. So, uh Lots going on today. Uh, turnout, uh, from what I'm hearing, is extremely light uh, in, in these uh, districts. So, uh, have you heard anything different? Yeah, I can tell you in House District 55, which I'm watching the most closely because I'm uh, sitting in it right now in one of the campaign's headquarters, is uh, <laughs> of the seven precincts that we had members on as of uh, 1 o'clock, six of those had under 40 votes cast. <laughs> And uh, these are precincts, by and large, with, you know, 2,500, 2,900, 3,500 uh, registered voters in it. So we're, we're talking about under a, a percent, in some cases, um, of turnout about halfway through the day. So it's incredibly low. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, and, and it, this is something that we probably could have foreshadowed just because it's summertime i've i've been making some calls uh on on behalf of the same candidate our, our independent friend uh john guest but um you know there are people are out of town they're at the beach they're the last thing they're thinking is oh wow today's an election day so uh i i know when oh, folks are and folks are getting folks are getting angry um at how much contact there is but that's all you can do is is contact people until they actually vote uh <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tough. Yeah, we had the, uh, we had the Memorial Day weekend, um, and a lot of folks take off either the week before that, uh, or the week after it, making the most use of that Monday they get off. Right. Um, and so you had that in smack in the middle, but, uh, you know, I think we're going to be having maybe three, four percent of the district. Uh, make the choice, and that, and that's not a great thing. I think the biggest thing we had that promoted awareness of this race was actually the Killer Mike announcement yesterday, the <laughs> the, uh, the Atlanta rapper saying he was going to, quote, run as a write-in, which kind of makes him the Donald Trump of, of the House District 55, uh, <laughs> a candidate who's not who, who announced he was in, and nobody's sure whether to ta- how, how seriously to take him. Um, but that was really the most talk about this race I've seen in the six to eight weeks that it's been happening was a fictitious candidate. <laughs> well, and, well, the other part, I mean, we have had some uh, some news from uh, Tyrone Jr., I guess, that uh, uh, that uh, little bit of controversy stemmed up with there where he was not able to establish his uh, residency, and I clearly think he, he would have been the, the big-time favorite on this because his dad, even though his dad had to resign because of... Uh, alleged corruption and graft uh, ty- most of the voters probably either don't care or didn't know about that so they're just going to vote for this, the same name that's been, he'd been there for like 15 years right Tyrone Senior? Oh he'd been there for years and and I suspect that there are folks who uh, who either think that what Tyrone, either he didn't do it or he got railroaded or he got some sort of some level of uh, special attention in the negative sense. Mm-hmm. 
um, that he that he was targeted for this, whether he did it or not. So there could be um, some sympathy. There could be a, like a sympathy vote that hey, he, Daddy didn't do it, so we're going to put the son in, right? I, I mean, I, I think there I think there could be some of that. Okay. And, um, there were I heard a report, a firsthand report of somebody who was at one of the precincts this morning. Some folks came in that were told because the signs that uh, Brooks Jr. was not on the ballot. Um, they were told verbally that uh, you know time was there wasn't time to to take him off the ballot. But if you vote for Tyrone Brooks Jr., your vote won't cast. And there were some folks who were upset because that's who they came to vote for. Is this a lesson about early voting, though? Um, I, I, I think we, and I don't know if it was something that you posted the other day, but somebody had the idea of early voting, but have the polls basically open for 96 hours from the weekend until the Tuesday of Election Day, and that would basically let people get complete information because Tyrone Brooks Jr. basically disenfranchised everybody that, that's trying to vote for him or already has. Well, and, and uh, that was actually, the idea was Kyle Wingfield. Okay. Um, and, and I followed on by saying, you know, look back to 2010 in DeKalb County, we had a Michael guy Rothenberg, was, yeah. Michael Rothenberg, exactly. He was very nearly elected a state court judge, uh, and shortly thereafter he was indicted by the feds <laughs> for stuff that came up during that runoff election. Mm-hmm. And in that period... A lot of the early votes, a majority of the early votes, in fact, in uh, in North DeKalb were in favor of Rothenberg. And once that scandal really hit and and uh, and took hold, that pattern reversed. You could see it, the, the lead flip-flop from early voting to day of the election. And I suspect that when that guy was indicted, a lot of folks who had voted for him uh, early prior to that information coming out, we're probably embarrassed by that fact. Um, and, you know, there's nothing to bring out an actual scandal or an alleged scandal than running for office. They always say, <laughs> if you if you can't remember what you did wrong, run for office and somebody <laughs> will tell you. Um, and that is always, you know, you'll, the life cycle of these kind of stories is they pop up early on, you hear about them, but but somebody won't go on the record, or you can't get the you know any actual proof until the last minute. And the thing that's changed is so much voting takes place before that last minute. Yeah, um, before October, whatever it takes to get well, I was about to say actual in, information in out. the presidential races. You know, they always call it the October surprise, and that's something that you bring up at the last second. But that usually has a bit of like a month news cycle in a race like this that only had a month from <laughs> announcement to uh, to election day. You know, there wasn't time for anything to surprising to necessarily come out. You had to have be kind of armed and ready to go uh, from the get go. So. Well, but yeah, but I, you know, I can tell you from, if you remember Chip Rogers, some information came out about him and uh, and the line offering gambling advice, essentially, a, a paid phone line. Uh, we had heard about that several years before. Uh, the first time he ran for Senate, um, and it probably took four or six years um, for that to actually come out, and uh, you know that's that's part of the reason I always wait until election day. I've got a little 
uh, I've got some superstitions, and I've got a nice little ritual about getting my coffee and walking over to vote. Um, but it's also that if anything earth-shattering is going to happen, it's going to happen in the last week of the campaign. Yeah, and, and I mean, I like the tradition of Election Day. I mean, any early voting, whether you physically go to the poll or do an absentee ballot, it is absentee ballot voting. I do think we need to have it. The Democrats have turned it into, they've turned voting, which you have 12 hours on Election Day, uh, and you can get an absentee ballot, but they've turned it into like a, a, a campaign issue where they're saying Republicans don't want to have six months of early voting. And, uh, you know, we're sitting there having to defend the fact that we only want to have two months of early voting or, or whatever the uh, the new numbers are. It seems to keep on getting exacerbated. This past time we saw them get mad that uh, some people did wanted Sunday voting to be accessible to everybody in DeKalb County, not just the, um, you know, certain areas. So it's, it's turned into a wedge issue. The fact that people, you know, don't want to respect the tradition of Election Day. So I, I just, you know, to me it's frustrating. I thought, uh, if yeah, Kyle Wingfield, the AJC reporter, if he was the one that came up with that idea, I just saw a lot of commentary on it. I thought that was a great idea because that, you know, and we could still have the absentee ballot where you can, can request one via mail, but, you know, this this cost and the potential for fraud when they when you go on for six weeks of early voting i think is something that that could be addressed in a more effective way well and and um one one thing i do want to say is that the way we currently do absentee voting if your problem is that you were a firefighter a nurse um you know, a, a, an emergency room doctor that works during the 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. hours <laughs> on a weekday, the way we do early voting now does nothing to fix that. It's still held during those same daytime hours, and if you are, you know, if you're on a shift that you simply can't get out during the daytime on a weekday, it doesn't fix that problem. Gotcha. And so that's that's something about I like about the... 96-hour Wingfield uh, primary or Wingfield voting uh, <laughs> scheme is that, you know, if you're a Waffle House cook um, and you only have the, the late-night hours that you can go out and do stuff, well, you can still do it. If you're a nurse um, and you simply can't be away from your from your work during those hours, that's a, that's a good way to fix it is, is not just the number of days, but the time of day, I think, is important. Yeah, but to, to the thing you said about the Democrats, what's interesting to me is that in this election, you had far more early voting action among uh, Republican voters. Really, you had fifteen hundred up in the twenty fourth district, yep. and you had about four hundred in the fifty fifth, which is Democrat dominated. So, right. whoever says Republicans don't want it, um, it's not necessarily that the voters don't want it, because it seems to me. It is primarily the, re- the Republicans right now taking more advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, I think especially because in the summer, we, again, we we do this little thing called planning ahead. And guess what? I'm on vacation from the 13th to the 20th. I won't yep. be there, so I'm going to go ahead. And, I mean, you know, for Scythe, having that high of a turnout in early voting, I think, is, uh, you know, it shows that there is a lot of interest in that race. There's four folks in there. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to, to see the ballots tonight down in, uh, to compare and see, you know, they're both uh, House districts and, in theory, should have similar uh, overall populations. So to see if one of them has... Uh, uh, much higher turnout, it might be a little bit of a lesson to say, all right, there were four pretty engrossed uh, Republicans up in the uh, 
the 24th, while, you know, you had some candidates that really just paid the $400 to put their name on the ballot down in uh, down in the uh, 55th. But, uh, well, Todd, uh, yeah. can you hold on for a second? Dave, do you want to take our break here? And then, uh, yeah, let's take the break here, and then I want to talk some presidential politics when we get back. So we'll be back with sure. Todd Ream from GeorgiaPundit.com in a couple minutes on Greg's List. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on americaswebradio.com. We are chatting with Todd Ream, editor of georgiapundit.com. And Todd, I did... uh, I think um, we saw the story yesterday that was circulating about, I want to share a little bit of good news here. Uh, Todd's uh, an animal activist, as I am. If you subscribe to his letter uh, every morning, georgiapundit.com, there's a list of adoptable dogs. We're also hoping that the adoptable dog of Georgia will become our official state dog next year. But uh, yesterday there was a story out of Miami-Dade County that a 14-year-old dog, a senior dog, had been 
uh, abandoned or surrendered by her owners. Now, we don't know the story about the owners. Maybe they simply just ran out of money, couldn't take care of her. But uh, I saw the story. I posted it. It got shared just tens of thousands of times. And I followed up this morning, and I called the animal uh, control shelter down there. I was on hold for about 20 minutes, but uh, finally got through. Gave them the reference number, and two rescue groups have have, have, have pitched in together, and they're going to be uh, getting uh, uh, Desi, the dog's name, out of the shelter within 48 hours. So I thought that was a great story, and uh, I always like having the, the you know the follow up and the happy endings to some of these stories because we work so hard to promote these these adoptable dogs, but sometimes it's good to share what what happens to them, right? Greg Lash's happy endings. <laughs> I think we should. Hash- no, I, 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 think, I think we should hashtag I think, that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I always, uh, I always try to think uh, to not necessarily think the worst of, of the owners. They may not, they truly may not have had any choice. They truly may have done everything they could have. They may not know that most dogs that enter shelters uh, end up uh, being put to sleep at the shelter, at at least at the public shelters. Um, I didn't know that for a long time. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, a lot of folks are, are quick to point fault. What, what I prefer is talking about the great thing that somebody got an experienced uh, dog to take home without having to, to uh, the expense of training them. Yeah, I mean, they, they have a dog that's clearly uh, human-friendly and uh, just, you know, you don't know how long the dogs have. I guess the 14 is, is what's certainly an elderly dog. In human years, I think that's, what, 98 or so, 14 times 7. Yep. So uh, that's certainly a, an old dog. I know I have two dogs that are certainly uh, up on the uh, the age bracket. One, I think, is about 12. You never know. I adopted both of mine, so I don't know exactly how old they are. But they're, I think one of them's pretty pretty damn close to 14. The other's probably... 11 or 12 so they are certainly older dogs but i was glad that we got to to see a, a great ending to uh, to that individual story anyway and uh you know if you guys hear stuff like that send it on to greg's list and uh i'll try to get the good news out there let's uh switch to uh, a very interesting topic uh, another week two more candidates have officially announced one that we knew was going to announce jeb bush uh former governor of florida announced yesterday officially and donald trump a uh, i don't know if we should call him a perennial candidate but a uh, a, a perennial publicity stunter if you will uh he, announced he is a perennial uh, media whore. i mean self-promoter <laughs> Yeah. I heard his announcement today. I didn't listen to it, but I was kind of watching some of the news, and he basically did announce from one of his hotels and talked about the new vacation packages you could buy at Trump Plaza or something like that. So, it, well, my question is: is <laughs> if the if the polling numbers hold up, it it appears that he's going to be in the top ten. That if he takes the procedural steps necessary in terms, and he and he just took one today, which was declaring. But I think he has to have paid staff in at least two states. And there's a couple of other uh, relatively small hurdles to jump over. He will earn himself, most likely, if he's in the top ten candidates, a slot on the August 6th uh, Fox News debate. And, you know, if he comes out wearing a a suit plastered with his hotel's name, he will will end up getting a lot of... uh, you know, maybe hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars worth of free advertising. Yeah, uh, for a relatively low, uh, relatively low entry fee. And you know, one of the things the guy does do incredibly well is is promoting himself. Yep. 
Um, so we'll we'll see if he's actually using this as a as an advertising medium <laughs> or as a uh, as a political medium. Yeah, we'll see if he comes out uh, dressed like a NASCAR. <laughs> We'll we'll know for sure. Maybe a little hat that uh, like a Shriner hat that says Trump Towers. But uh, I uh, I I just I'm leery of too many people jumping in this race and all of them getting a little bit of fame. I mean, Donald Trump has earned his own fame. He's he's had several successful shows on uh, NBC. He's he's been a very successful real estate investor. So he's he's a known quantity. I don't he I don't see him as a serious presidential candidate but uh again you know you've got him and uh, carly fiorina two folks that don't have any uh elected official experience but i think both of them have some traction i really think carly is doing quite well on the stump um kind of stalking hillary if you will but uh let's talk about a couple of the serious ones let's talk about marco rubio jeb bush uh scott walker and i think you have to throw in Rand paul and ted cruz and you can almost count them as 50 percent of uh you know one person so there's five folks there that are pretty that are serious and you know ted cruz and Rand paul are kind of you know, I think they should just do like a, an old-fashioned duel and then one walk away, right? <laughs> well, I, I think that I can't remember the last time we've had such a wide field of candidates who make somebody enthusiastic about them. Um, you know, we haven't had as many. When you when you speak of the first tier of candidates, there's probably five to seven of them um, that would be considered solid candidates with a with an actual chance in hell of i'm sorry with an actual chance of winning the republican primary um and so i can't remember the last time we've seen that which is it represents an extraordinary breadth of uh ideological spectrum from the libertarian right to the christian conservative right uh to the middle of the right um and it also you know we've got more diversity in our field today uh, than the Democrats have had uh, in recent history. And so it, it speaks well of the Republican Party that there are so many su- significant candidates, uh, substantial individuals who are willing to take the chance of, of uh, running for the office. Well, I, I'm sure you uh, enjoyed the, the New York Times uh, publicity on the Marco Rubio crime spree where they uh, revealed that uh, his wife, over 20 years, has gotten 13 tickets and he's he's garnered four traffic tickets. And uh, to me, I, I, it's, it's funny that they would uh, pretend like they had this huge expose. But it's also revealing that uh, both of these folks were in political uh, or power uh, positions of influence, if you will, and clearly they weren't using it to get out of speeding tickets, which, uh, you know, you, you fear that a lot of public officials do things like that, and with the Rubios, uh, clearly they, they were not trying to get out of their crime spree, and were happy that, uh, or, or not happy, but I, I think they hired a lawyer to get out of some of the tickets, but anyway, they, they paid them, and, and, and it's news, and to me, uh, that goes to your point, where if you ever want to find out uh, if you've done anything bad, run for office. If this is what the New York Times has been able to dig up on the Rubios, and I I think that they're in uh, pretty good shape as far as that goes. So. Well, if, if you'll recall, uh, Stan Jester in DeKalb County, uh, a member of our DeKalb uh, Board of Commissioners, went back and forth with the, uh, with the powers that be in the DeKalb School Board um, about whether he was required to submit to fingerprint and background. And 
they've run them all, and you can't find anything. He doesn't even have those feeding tickets. But <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been to uh, Miami or specifically if you've ever driven in Miami. I was just talking to somebody about this earlier today. Miami is home to the most homicidal, psychotic drivers you have ever seen in your life. People warned me about it when I was heading back to Miami about the drivers, and I still wasn't prepared. You come up to a stoplight, and before your light turns green, they're honking at you to get out of the way. It, it is, And so with the Rubios, it's my understanding that they've lived in Miami most of this period. If the worst thing they have done in Miami traffic is a little bit of speeding, A, I don't know where you can get up to speed in Miami from what I've seen in the traffic. But B, if they have an outright bludgeon somebody at the side of the road <laughs> uh, in Miami traffic, they are absolute saints. Yeah. It is the worst place I've ever been for traffic. Well, yeah, so the Rubio road rage has not uh, manifested yet. So I think uh, that's certainly a good sign. So Jeb comes out with a, uh, a, a screaming announcement, if you will. Uh, what do you think about, real quick, what do you think about Jeb Bush and his chances? Well, two things. I, somebody on Facebook I know said that, you know, when's the last time Republicans have have won a national election without a Bush on the on the uh, ticket, and so that would have been what Nixon, I think. Because uh, Ford, uh, when he didn't win, he he won, Ford didn't he win. Took over it was, after it, so it would have been Nixon. Yep. yep. Um, and so there is something to be said for. I don't know that it's it's necessarily being from the family. Maybe it's uh, having a better hold on Texas. I, I I don't know what it is, but. There's something to be said for for some success, and what it reminds me of more than anything else is 2014's Georgia uh, Republican primary. In many ways, uh, Jeb Bush is in the position that uh, David Perdue was early on in the race. The main thing people knew about him was he was related to somebody they had strong feelings about, mm-hmm. whether good or bad, um, and... There was not initially, it didn't appear at least, any grassroots support for David Perdue. Um, and Jack Kingston continuously, continuously dominated among the grassroots Republicans, whereas Jeb Bush is dominating in getting the grassroots Republicans saying they, they're not interested in him. Um, but those folks, people who are paying enough attention to politics that they have formed an opinion in June of 2015 are not normal. (laughs) They are outliers. They are people who spend way more time uh, paying attention to politics and Fox News or to MSNBC, whatever their flavor is, um, and not enough time in the real world. And so so. one of the lessons to me from... 2014 was that boy advertising on television sure does work and having a whole lot of money sure does help and that's one area in which bush is proven he is going to be able to raise the money to compete at the national level um and he's going to have the ability to do the advertising and so and it's 
basically, I'm not, yeah, I'm he's, not willing to count anybody out. And he's going to, you know, have the challenge of kind of separating himself a little bit uh, from his uh, family pedigree. But, uh, again, like you said, he'll have the money and uh, some name ID and actually a fairly successful track record as Florida Governor. Todd Ream, GeorgiaPundit.com. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you on the uh, on the campaign stump. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week on Greg's List. Thanks, as always, for listening. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Watchdog.